Talk Radio, giving you the tools to guide you on your spiritual or metaphysical journey. I'm your host, Dr. Candace Nadine Green. Welcome to Thought Thursday here on Awakened Path Radio. As always, you can keep up to date on everything Awakened Path Radio by visiting www.awakenedpathonline.com. Again, that's www.awakenedpathonline.com. Now on to today's show. Today we have with us Catherine McIntyre, who's an indie author, and her latest book is called The Thorough Whisperer. Welcome to our show again today, Catherine. Thanks very much, Reverend Candace. It's a pleasure. It's always good to have you back. Now, excuse us, um, tell us about your book, The Thorough Whisperer. What's well, it about? It's, it's a memoir about my experience channeling the spirit of author Henry David Thoreau. I'm... Um, I've lived in the Concord area many years, and I, I, I've written two books now about my experiences living here as somebody with a psychic ability. And this uh, latest one, um, that was, <laughs> it was quite the experience, but um, that was what, um, I, I think that was the ultimate, you know, that was the reason I moved here, was to have the experience mm-hmm. of connecting to Thoreau. And uh, so that's what that book is about. Now, how did you first make contact with him, with David Thoreau? Well, it's interesting because I think about, well, when did this first begin? And I want to say, well, it began after my mentor passed. And then I I had an after-death visit from him before I had even learned that he had died. He was, you know, there with me in the dining room, um, letting me know that, you know, he was still around. And and I later realized that... um, you know, he had come to say, you know, basically he's going to continue to work with me mm-hmm. uh, through spirit as he had in life. And then I was told that Thoreau would then be working with me too. And in fact, he did, um, you know, begin to communicate with me later in the fall. This was back in 2006. Mm-hmm. But when I thought about it, as as the experience progressed, and I there was a lot of, I had to Except that this was really happening, you because know, I had always been a rather reluctant psychic, you know, and, and you know, my mother was very reluctant about her own abilities, so she kind of taught me to dismiss it the way she had learned to dismiss. So, you know, if something happened, oh, you're dreaming, oh, you're, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. So I was always in this mode of, oh, I'm making it up, I'm this isn't real. And then as I got more and more into the experience I was having and realizing, you know, this really is happening and, you know, how could this be happening? And then look at how, why Thoreau and how that came about. I realized, you know, it, it was going on with me in my life back in the days as far back as when I was growing up in Michigan mm-hmm. and suddenly knew I needed to move to the Boston area I needed to be near Concord. And then, um, spent so many years reading about Thoreau and just, you know, really drawn to him in particular of all the, all the writers here. And, um, you know, just different events that took place leading up to this that made me realize that this was all in line to happen from years back before I, before I met my mentor, Brad. And, um, 
before any of that came about, it was all lining up for this experience to take place. So it's kind of interesting in that way. Now, um, how long did it take you to uh, write this piece with uh, David as your your uh, guide? It's um, Henry, um, and it, it would be it's okay. Uh, it's funny because he was born David Henry Thoreau, and he switched his name. Wow. So sometimes in my own um, interactions with him, I I tend to want to call him David too, but. Um, anyways, um, it took place from it's you know, when, when, when Brad first passed, which was January, 2006, and I had that, you know, visit with him and, mm. and then I was told, you know, get ready because in the fall Thoreau was going to start working with me. Um, it took place in the fall, as they said, it began then. So the fall of 2006, and it went on for a period of, I would say up to like three years where it was really consistent. So meaning that anytime I wanted to connect or, or anytime they wanted me to connect, you know, they let me know, know and I would sit down and do it. And um, anytime I basically sat down at the computer keyboard and allowed myself to just sort of connect, just, you know, focus in and reach out to them, they were, you know, always there. And he was, you know, always there with more more of the book, you know, basically more of the things he wanted to say coming through. So it was a ongoing process, you know, it just became part of my life at that time. And, and I think back on now, I think what a joyful, wonderful time it was. And I, you know, I refer to that in the book as well. It's like, you know, it was really um, fun. You know, once I got through the initial stuff, and I began to just go with it and accept that it was happening. And then it, it was like, I had the you know, nicest energy around, the most loving, warm energy around all the time. And it was a very positive um, experience in my life. Um, so it would, it, I would say, you know, two, two and a half to three years where it was a regular basis. And then after that, it kind of trailed off. And then at that point, it was up to me to decide how am I going to take all this material that I'd received? Basically, it's like a process of automatic writing. Mm -hmm. Um, where I'm connecting and then instead of writing, I'm using the computer. And it was interesting because one of the things that the psychic I had consulted, you know, back in January, it was just Barbara Safransky in Salem, Mass, had said to me early on was, you know, oh yeah, when these words come, they're gonna just be flying across the computer screen. And she'd actually drawn a little monitor with these words coming across. And that was exactly how it happened. Is wow. I, began to connect through the computer and I would just sit there and just just typing like crazy and these words were just flying across the computer screen so that was kind of cool so was it an everyday thing it happened whenever uh, uh, I would I wouldn't say every single day but pretty much you know regular basis you know five days a week kind of thing and and it just whatever time I had available so um that's what was always so interesting to me is that I, you know, that I could pretty much whenever I had the time sit down and then, you know, pretty quickly connect and, and they would be there. And, um, so it was just, uh, you know, it was just available and ready, ready to go anytime I was ready to go during those years. I don't, I continue to have the sense of them as guides to me, but it's not like it was then, you know, then it was like a regular, palpable presence in my right. life at all times so now what types of messages were did you receive that you know to share with the rest of us what what examples of messages well, came to you that you should 
share with us? I mean, the, the primary message from Thoreau was, and it was always the case through his writings and, you know, in, in just generally in transcendentalist thinking, is that you, you go within to seek the truth, to seek your true connection to the divine. You know, you, you don't require religion for that. You don't require um, politics or, you know, anything else to tell you what is true. You can decipher that yourself by simply going within and connecting to that true you inside. And that's the spark of life within you that connects to the divine source and ties us all together. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then he's saying, you know, from that position, um, you then can intuit divine knowledge and wisdom, truth, um, you know, the fundamentals, and from there conduct your life, you know, basically. So you know the proper action to take because you're you're getting that guidance from the higher source. Right. And so those are the kinds of messages that he, he was coming through with in terms of the bigger, grander message. There was also a lot of, um, you know, just questioning the way we live, the way, you know, we use the devices, mm. um, you know, the, the television, you know, he'd say, you know, what would my life, what would it have been like if I'd had a television at Walden Pond? You know? <laughs> and he'd say, well, I might have, I might have watched it for a little while, you know, but then he, he's like, then I would want to turn it off and get it away from me because, yeah. you know, it is just such an, you know, um, an onslaught of, mm-hmm. of information and sort of uh, pollution. He, he talks about the pollution um, that, that's in the society, the pollution of the mind, the pollution in the food, the pollution in the environment. Um, and, you know, he's, again, he's just wanting us to get back to a more pure experience of life and a more purely directed experience of life, mm-hmm. which, again, comes to, from that connection to the divine. So it's, it's things like that. And it's, um, you know, just in terms of the potential of the human being, um, saying again, it's within, it's within the mind. You know, he he wants to see like more of a um, use of the capacity that we have within us as true humans, and and not de- rely on our devices to do things for us. Mm-hmm. You know, he's saying within the the human mind, there's a capacity for great thinking, for calculations, for you know all these things that we're relying on these devices to do. You know, so it, it's that kind of a message. Right, because these devi- these uh, devices are devoid of emotion. So. Yeah. Yeah, he says, you know, as you use them, you, you're essentially putting yourself into that device. And then that by doing that, there is less and less of you. And, you know, that's what you know, his warning is that you're, you're really, um, I don't know how he puts it exactly. It's, like, <laughs> it's to the effect of you're sacrificing yourself in order to entertain yourself. You're, right. you're you know, losing parts of yourself with, yeah. without even realizing it. Yeah, well, we, we lose ourselves when we, yeah. uh, when we uh, rely too much upon technology. We actually lose who we are. Look at, yeah. our, uh, look at the social media and yeah. how we interact now by text messages instead of, hey, why don't yeah. let's just go grab a coffee together and sit down and talk. Yeah. Yeah, it's really. I mean, it takes away that human quality that is so crucial to our survival and our to Ex- our interaction. Yes, a hundred percent. Yeah, that's the kind of yeah. That's what he's going for. Yeah. And now, um, do you mind if you could you share a little bit an excerpt from your book with us? You wouldn't mind reading sure. a little bit? Now let me find something here. Um.
Okay, I'll just let me just read this little passage on truth here. This is mm. I just happened to open to this. Um, it has always been the responsibility of the individual to seek out truth for themselves. If you believe something is true simply because it is told to you, then you are bound to find that you do not have truth at all. It is through the ability to test and measure the information you receive that is innate within each of us that you can find truth. That is a skill that must be formed and one that can then be relied upon with little effort. Any and all who seek to find truth will find it. Seek to find wisdom as well. Wise action brings wise results. Slow, bored, inattention brings slow results. This can be applied to all aspects of life. Um, just a quick thing here. Let me find. Okay, here's, this is one of my favorite passages. This is on solitude. He's talking about being at Walden Pond in the solitude. He says, uh, there were times when the solitude I craved at Walden was available to me, and I basked in it. I would, on sunny days, position myself there in my doorway and allow myself to sink as deeply as I could into the surrounding atmosphere, into the waves of light and energy that flowed to me, and drift as far as I could out into that universe, and let myself sense myself as that free and noble creature that I knew existed within me. Those were the times that I fully understood that I was more than this body that I had come to occupy. This I understood without question, for I could lift my hand and view it and know that it was not my hand, and these were not my feet, and this was but a vehicle with which I drove. I learned to settle myself, my mind, and my breath into a relaxed posture and enjoyed those moments of sheer reverie in the universe. Traveling that way was cheaper, in fact, than travel any other way, and the rewards were great. Each time I ventured out, I felt this greater spirit within me, each time knowing more and more confidently that there was something beyond, something more to this life than the material acquisitions. And it's interesting that you um, read something very inter interconnected, truth and solitude. Um, and I forgot where I read this, but uh, I was, it, it said something to the effect of when we're in solitude, then we can find the truth. Yes. And we, people are so afraid, uh, a lot of people are so afraid of that, you know, just moment of meditation, of solitude, where mm -hmm. our technology is off, the devices are off, and we just yeah. take a moment to go within. Yeah. And there are so many people who are afraid of it. I remember years ago, I was teaching a yoga class, and during the meditation, a woman had told me she's afraid. she was afraid to meditate mm -hmm. because she was afraid of what might happen. And I said, what are you afraid of? What do you have to fear? So, and it's very interesting because I've, I've encountered quite a few people who are actually afraid. They're afraid yeah. of what truth will be shown to them. Yeah. Instead of all of these, what I like to call fake truths, like uh, there was a, one woman who had said that uh, now that she knows the truth, um, she could never, you know, she could never be something else and blah, blah, blah. What she was doing is actually she was, uh, and it was, a, it was a, her religion. Her religion, she had said, was higher than anyone else, which that's not what truth is. Yeah. Truth is not saying that I'm better than you. And I, my, my way of believing is the right way. It's not true. That's right. not what truth is. Yeah. So, um, okay. Sorry, I interrupted. No, I was just, you know, no, no. I think I interrupted you. Oh, I think I, <laughs> I, think I, I was just, you know, thinking as far as, um, as that goes and as far as religion goes, mm. I, I, 
you know, in one sense, I'm like, well, you don't need religion to find God mm-hmm. because, you know, you essentially right. you look within and all that. And there's no religion better than another. Mm-hmm. I like to be um, take a position of respect toward toward all religions. Say, mm-hmm. But they, you know, they may have their purpose. They may, you know, if done, you know, with conscience, right. there may be a purpose for them. And I don't want to be disrespectful toward anyone's religion. But I, you know, I, I think I understand what that woman was talking about is that, you know, you kind of, you know, people live their lives with these certain belief systems in place. And, you know, some of them may be coming from the church and that. And then they realize, well, there's a little bit of a variation there. You know, maybe, maybe that's not quite the truth after all. This is, it gets so messy. Yeah, especially, I mean, think of the Crusades and all of these wars that were fought in the name of religion. Yeah. That's not, I mean, (laughs) if we're really talking about religion and love, then why are we fighting? Exactly. There's there's no reason to fight. Yeah. And that's something throughout history that has, uh, you know, caused a lot of chaos and disruption. And it's just, if we just say that the truth, that truth is love, go within and you find that love, you find your, your divinity. Yeah. And you also see that we're all really the same. And I think that yes. that probably scares people. It scares them to find, um, and it, it, it scares them because it will d- disrupt their, their way of thinking. Exactly. That's what, yeah, I was thinking, yeah. It disrupts their, their belief about themselves mm-hmm. and their lives in that. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, it, you know, when you, you really connect, I think there's a, this is sort of a filling out, you know, it's mm. like an energetic and a, a conscious filling out that happens when you really do make that connection and you go like, oh, wow. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I remember that now, you know, kind of thing when you really connect to that true source because it but, is all of us. And it's so simple. I mean, it is so yeah. simple that simple. sometimes I am so confused as to why on earth did is not anyone realizing this? We could solve our problems. If we just do that, I'm really, it's so simple. I think it's more simpler to do that than to go out and start fighting people. Yes, it it definitely is. (laughs) Um, But a lot of what, you know, my my, uh, voice in the book is, Mm -hmm. you know, as the narrator and telling my story in the background, is that I'm telling the story in the way that I want to tell it because, you know, for me, every one of those revelations is so important to mm-hmm. people because, you know, even when you have the revelation that such an event like this could occur, that I could actually be talking to the spirit that lived the life as Henry David Thoreau, mm-hmm. well, what does that mean? That means that uh, Henry David Thoreau still exists out there in some capacity. Mm-hmm. And not only does he, but everyone else who ever lived still exists too. Mm-hmm. And and so will we, you know, then you, you begin to make that connection and you realize, oh, wait a minute, then I'm going to continue to exist too. And, you know, so the, the fear of death goes away. And then it becomes, you know, the, the revelations and the opening again becomes greater. And then, then the, you know, more truth comes in. And to me, the impact that it has on life and on our, our behavior is just phenomenal. You, you don't go out killing people anymore because, um, sort of in one sense, you can't kill anybody. You can you can basically send them back, but you can't kill them. They're still there. They're, right. They still exist too. Right. So it, it becomes um, I, another part of the book is just a sense of responsibility that, you know, you realize how important your actions are, every single one of them. And, you know, to to you learn to act with conscience. 
you know, to, to be more conscious of what you're doing, your behaviors, how you're affecting people and how the way you affect yourself and the way you affect others impacts everyone. I mean, that was one of the messages in, in the book as well that, um, I was surprised when I first heard was a sense of that, you know, even if I'm at home having a bad day, I'm pulling down everyone collectively, <laughs> you know, so it's a lot better. Even if I'm sitting alone, I'm still having an impact. Right. Your um, energy affects others. Because it's an energy effect yeah. and we're all part of that same energy. So it really does do that. So I think there's a tendency for everyone to want to, um, you know, applaud people who are doing really well. We love to hear stories where people succeed and they do mm. great because I think it feeds all of us, mm. you know, in, in that sense, again, you know, affecting the greater whole. So I think that these kind of messages are so important and, and they, um, you know, that, that's the, that's some of the stuff that you get when you really do make that connection and you realize how important you are as an individual and, and how important everyone is and that, that we're all here for, for the purpose to learn, yes, but also to advance the general knowledge, to, to advance knowledge on a wider scale in however, whatever way we can do it. And, you know, we each have a different way of doing that. Right. So, different and, interests, different. And some of the, uh, our elders, those, spirit, those are in spirit, have, let, have messages to help us, to guide us along our way. When yes. they see that we're doing not so great. <laughs> Yeah. They come with, a, you know, that's when they find a channel and they try to deliver their messages yeah. uh, be, to help us. Yes. Yeah, so that's, that's a wonderful thing. Yeah. Now, you said you've also received messages by, via spirit about your soul origins. Could you tell us what you learned? Um, did I say that? I must have said that somewhere. Um, yeah. Yes. I mean, I've got, obviously I've learned a lot about myself and my own, you know, sense of connection to things. Mm. I have a, um, I, I sh how shall I put this? I have in my history have had the experience of contact with what I call extraterrestrial alien, you know, that influence. Mm. And um, part of what I've learned as I've gone along is that, you know, there's a, there is consciousness throughout the universe. Mm -hmm. And I wonder in terms of soul origins, I, I begin to wonder sometimes what parts of me came from that, you know, came from other than like what we commonly think of like an earth environment and the, and that everything circles, you know, and evolves around the earth and even, you know, the, the world beyond, you know, or the, the other side seems to always be referenced toward the earth. And I'm saying, think in a wider context, you know, if there are other worlds with life out there, which I suspect there are, um, then that same, divine source would be the divine for that world as well in my thinking and my my experience and belief so it becomes a wider picture so when you begin to ask about soul origins i'm like well you know it i've had information indicating that i'm i've had lives in that capacity as well so in a non-earth environment let's say so it <laughs> It, you know, I don't have all the answers to yeah. this, but I'm just saying, you know, that's just one aspect of it. So, you know, as information comes in, I've had, you know, have received information on, on past lives and different things. And it just really makes you realize that we are not 
strictly this personality. That is so we are, you know, having this one life. We are, mm -hmm. we are all evolving spirits mm -hmm. with greater connections than we could ever imagine. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think when you think of that, it's, it's freeze us up a little bit and maybe we don't get so bogged down in, you know, just whatever the, you know, the facts are of this current incarnation, whatever it is we're doing today or, or, you know, whatever the things are that are bugging us. Maybe they don't bug us as much when we realize, and, oh, we're just here for this time. And, right. And it supports yeah. the, the idea that we are just, we are spirits and yes. our, that our physical form is just an illusion. Yeah. Because when, when this physical form expires, our spirit goes on to another form. Spirit goes on, yes. Right, and it depends on what we've done, whether or not uh, we graduate or we stay here and, to, and take another human form until yeah. we learn the lesson that we've yeah. come to learn. Yeah. There's a great series on Gaia TV, by, um, and it, the host is Eric Von Duncan. I'm probably mispronouncing his last name, D.A. K-E-N, something like that. And he okay. talks about uh, origins from extraterrestrials and yeah. how they've co they come to teach and uh, they're, they're much more advanced than we are. Um, and they live many, many light years away, but they're so advanced that they're able to, uh, they too got coming here to teach us and they've mm -hmm. been teaching forever. They've taught, they've helped the um, Egyptians with the pyramids and all things of that sort. Mm -hmm. So it's really very interesting once you sit down and you think about it that and when you come to realize that we are more than what we appear to be just yes. you know this physical body we are much much more we've some some of us have lived hundreds of thousands of lives mm -hmm. and we're all in trying to graduate up to get as close as we can to the divine source but we have lessons to learn in order to get back to the divine source. Mhm. Mm I would, yeah, I would agree with that. I would say, and, and like missions to accomplish kind of thing yeah, as well. Right. You know, yeah. Now, now, if you had to choose one message from Thoreau that would help raise the vibration of the planet, what would that message be? That's a tough question. <laughs> well, I mean, I think, you know, I think the answer is what we just talked about is just, mm. just and what was, you know, if, if um people go back to his work now, you know, read mm -hmm. Walden again, read, read some of his essays and look at what he's really saying. It is that go within message. So, you know, his greatest message is, you know, we are, we are spirit. We are evolving spirit. We, we are the divine that is within you go within connect. And once you do it, it changes everything. It changed everything for him. I mean, that's why he didn't care about the material things. That's why, you know, he could he could live simply and have a greater experience of life because he understood that he was an evolving spirit and mm. and that, you know, he would live on after this life. So he was very concerned with, with consciousness, um, conscious awareness of, of our actions and and you know, as I said, you know, all of, all of that was primary for him and it's throughout his work. So, you know, he came to me early on. One of the first messages was, you know, to remind everyone that all they need are their own eyes and their own minds, you know, to read and comprehend his work. You know, mm -hmm. so he gets as tired as I do with the academic world and the approach 
you know, what sort of like what they have done to him over the years, which is, you know, really to, you know, inspire some people, but terrify many others and get them to turn away from his work, you know, because of their inability to understand it themselves and or, or adequately present it to their students. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he wants everyone to go back and just take a look at this, mm-hmm. uh, what he's, he's left there. And people who are on a, a real spiritual path and are already kind of awakened to that, they're going to find it a lot easier to read his work now than they did, you know, right. when they were in high school or college and trying mm-hmm. to read it. Mm-hmm. Um, because his message is essentially that, you know, he's talking about, you know, he's not an anarchist, which is funny. You know, at one point he's like, you know, why would I, why would I call for anarchy? You know, he's, he's not calling for anarchy, no. he's calling for, <laughs> for consciousness. He wants a conscious um, government, a government with a conscience that acts from that divine place, you know, that place of divine connection. That's the kind of government he wants. Yeah, wouldn't that, be, wouldn't that be great people. if we had one that actually has conscious? That would be great. Yes, <laughs> it would. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the kind of uh, thing that he's calling for in, in civil disobedience. You know, he doesn't want everyone to just go out and get crazy. He wants right. people to wake up. Mm. And so. it's so interesting because once you are awake and you realize that everything around you is an illusion, you let go yeah. of attachments. You yeah. let go of the attachments. It's just so, it's just so simple. I mean, simple in words, but probably harder to yeah. do for those who have who are struggling with awakening. So, yeah, yeah. Now, do you have any uh, other upcoming projects, publications, et cetera, that you would like to share with our listeners today? Well, I may be I mean, sort of some of this stuff is in the works. Like, you yeah. know, they they need to refer to my website, which is theconqueredwriter.com, mm-hmm. for updated events and that. Mm-hmm. I may be giving a talk at the New Visitor Center at um, Walden Pond, mm-hmm. which would be really exciting and a and a kind of a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and that may be coming up in the next couple of months. I'm trying to get on the schedule there and get that worked out. So that's my next big you know, talk event, but otherwise I'm just doing various radio shows and that, and the updates are always on the website. And then the book can be found on Amazon or Barnes and Noble or anywhere, really any of the online places can, it's either up there or I I would think it's on most of them. It's on Kobo. It's, it's kind of all over the place there. Mm -hmm. And then any bookstore can order it. Um, and it is out on ebook now. So oh, if, if anyone's into yes, I actually so. downloaded it. So, yeah. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah. I downloaded. I'm really excited. <laughs> yeah. And your um, website? Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Nope, go ahead. Uh, the website is theconqueredwriter.com. And I am active on Twitter. Um, if anybody wants to follow there, they can look for The Conquered Writer or, or my name, Catherine McIntyre. And, uh, um, I'm linked. I don't have a Facebook page. I kind of feel funny vibes about Facebook. Yeah. I'm not on there. So. <laughs> uh, but I might eventually get there. But anyway. Well, Catherine, it was a pleasure as always having you on our show. Thank you so much. It's a and pleasure keep, being here. Oh, thank you. And keep writing. Keep up the great work. Keep spreading those messages. Thank you very much. I will do that. Thank you. www.awakenedpathonline.com
the host, Dr. Candice Nadine Green, and you are listening to Awakened Path Radio, giving you tools to guide you on your spiritual or metaphysical journey. Namaste and let it be.